thank you for uh, for listening uh, on Liberty Tactics. I, I think it's an important uh, international venue. The title of your show is Liberty Tactics, which I think is really important. And liberty is a really important word. Uh, we take it for granted. It is Wednesday, the 14th of September in the year of our Lord, 2022, and it's just gone quarter past four here in the UK. I'm really, really humbled about my guest today. Don't laugh. He did the honour. He's a very, very busy man. and He's a man of faith. And he came on to the podcast-a-thon. And the poor guy, he was he was one of our last guests. And we had, I think, Catherine and I had actually probably lost the plot and gone totally delirious. But what I can remember about the chat, and it's probably very few parts of that weekend I remember, is how up on current events, not, no, not current events, but people call us conspiracy theorists or tin foil hat wearers. And um, Sid kind of, he knows the agenda. So I'm delighted today to introduce everybody to Sid Cordell. Hello, Sid. Hi, Lou. God bless you. God bless you. Now, we didn't have a chance when you came onto the podcast-a-thon. Uh, we didn't find out a bit about much you about much about you and what you do and how you found your faith. So we're going to start with handing the show over to you to say, can you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Please. Okay, so I was born in a Christian family as part of a really a devout Christian family going back generations, really. I mean, it's uh, which is quite an honour. I mean, just as an aside, I mean, it's um, it's uh, as you know, I'm very much interested in politics. And um, my cousin on my father's side actually organised the first national prayer breakfast. He went to Washington and um, Washington held a national prayer breakfast. He thought we need this in the UK. So this is about 40 years ago. I mean, he, he spoke to Speaker Thomas, who was, uh, some people may remember, who was a speaker at the time, also a devout Christian. And he said, can we have a national prayer breakfast, a parliamentary prayer breakfast in Parliament in the UK? And he said, yep, we'll organise it. The Speaker will host it. And that was the first parliamentary prayer breakfast. And we've had one every every year ever since. But I also went to a meeting in Jerusalem at the Jerusalem prayer breakfast. Yeah. I had somebody from America on my right and somebody from Germany on my left. And my tab, of course, said Sid Cordell. And the person from America said, are you related to Anthony Cordell? And I said, yes. He, you know, and, and then the person from Germany on my left said, are you related to Anthony Cordell? <laughs> so uh, you think, wow, hallelujah. So um, I come from good stock. But um, one of the things that really influenced me as a young man was the fact that um, the one of the leaders of the church that I used to go to, which was a Baptist church, used to go behind the Iron Curtain with Bibles and come back with amazing stories of how the church was being persecuted under communism. Mm. 
how the people were living in fear, how they're getting arrested and just simply for reading the Bible, nothing else, not allowed to meet together. If uh, if they're caught meeting together, then they send people to beat them up or they're arrested and put in prison. And he used to say, if we're not careful, we could have this sort of communist system in Britain. And <laughs> as a young man, I'm thinking... That's not going to happen. You know, I'm going to stand up against communism, whatever happens. So that was really what influenced my politics and has influenced my politics all my life. So um, I was elected to the school council in when I was 15. Uh, I, I led the school Christian Union when I was at school for uh, um, two or three years. Uh, I gave my life to the Lord really when I was about 14 or 15. And at that age, I was like, you know, really quite committed. I went to university in Sheffield and um, there I got elected onto the uh, union council um, in my first year, as well as being involved in the Christian union. And so I was very much a Christian. I wasn't, I didn't stand with any political party. I just stood as a Christian in politics, in the political sphere. And I learned an awful lot at university, uh, a lot of it by trial and error, but literally just by standing up, speaking at student meetings, making a complete fool of myself sometimes, but learning how to speak effectively and what to do. And it, after I left university, I became a national coordinator of Christians in student politics, which um, I did for a while, running bookstalls at National Union of Student Conferences, running separate conferences for Christians interested in politics. You see, what I found was that sometimes you'd have um, young people who would be committed Christians would start getting involved in politics and they'd lose their faith. And the big issue at that time was CND, Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. You know, if we don't stop a nuclear war, the whole world is going to be wiped out. And, you know, somehow stopping a nuclear war is more important than going to church. And today, probably the same sort of issue would be climate change. If we don't do something about the climate, then the whole world is going to be destroyed. And, you know, this is, it's more important that we do something about the climate than go to church. And... It was important for me as a committed Christian to say, come on, let's we need to realize that God is bigger than nuclear weapons and God is bigger than the climate. And we need to come back and see what God is saying about these issues and not think, not be distracted by what the world is saying. So that was something I was doing in my early 20s. Now, how am I? How am I getting? How am I doing? I can go You're on. Doing fantastic. You're doing. Fantastic. <laughs> I just. I just keep myself muted because I've got two very yappy Daxons. So when you're talking, I just kind of mute. Okay. They start yapping. You're doing fabulous, Sid. I just want to just want to have a pipe in there for a moment to say, you know, they keep saying, you know, the world's going to end. The only person who can decide when the world is going to end is God. So, oh, you. you know, we can't save the world. The only person who will save the world is God. So that's that's my two penneth worth. You carry on, Sid. Well, that's right. Well, interestingly enough, I was in London recently and I saw somebody outside Parliament with a climate thing. And I must admit, I was in a bit of a hurry. I nearly stopped and preached next to her, but I, I, I which I would love to have done. But if I had done, 
uh, I would have literally said, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void. And the spirit of God moved over the waters and God said, let there be light. And there was light. You know, this is God. It says God it, there is plural. This is God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. You know, they're creating the world and the sound of heaven which it tells us in Revelation 4, is worthy art thou, our Lord God, receive glory and honour and power, for you have created all things, and by your will they exist. By your will they exist. Now, and after the flood, God said, I will not again flood the earth. You know, as long as the earth exists, summer and winter, seed time and harvest will not cease. God says, I can, and then when Jesus was on earth, you know, he calmed the storm and then says, who is this that the winds and the waves obey him? The climate obeyed Jesus. God is in charge of the climate. And also, Jesus, when he comes again, will reign on earth for a thousand years. That means the earth has to last at least another thousand years. Come on. So, <laughs> so people that think if we don't do this, if we don't do that, then the world is going to disappear. It'll, you know, it's like, no, sorry. God's in charge. It's not going to happen. Anyway, that's an aside. Um, so after I left university, I um, felt I had to be involved in a major political party because I couldn't then just be a Christian in politics, you know, without, um, without any experience. Yeah. So um Discuss after discussing it with a friend who was also very interested in politics, I decided to join the Conservative Party. So I joined the Conservative Party, which was, and we're talking now about December 1977. Um, at the same time, in well, or a month later, in January 1978, I got a job working for the Prudential. I hadn't managed to do anything in the way of careers because I was standing for union president in my final year. My degree was in biblical studies, so I enjoyed that. I loved my professor of biblical studies. I absolutely loved, and we got on very well. Um, but, yeah, so um, I started working for the Prudential, and I found I got a job that I could do in about 25 hours a week. So I had lots of spare time, and anyone that knows me knows I'm a hard worker. So I can't sit around doing nothing and just doing just working for 25 hours a week and then putting my feet up. So um, within six months of work joining the Prudential, I was a candidate for the local council in Sheffield in um, one of the wards. And I was also went to my first trade union conference on behalf of uh, the people from the Prudential and uh, well, I spoke 11 times at that conference. So, <laughs> oh, wow. so I was now I was now 22. Um, I continued to be involved with the Conservative Party and uh, worked hard, which is which is my won't work very hard in elections. And it so happened that a Conservative councillor on Sheffield City Council died. And when he died, the people came to me and said, Will you stand for us? Because we've heard of all the hard work you've been doing. So I said, yeah, OK. So I stood in a by-election, which was in July um, 1982, and was elected a Conservative councillor. Now, that itself was a bit of a story, but I won't... You know, I <laughs> 
How, how, how long have we got, Lou? How am I doing? About what? Another 45 minutes, 50 minutes. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just tell me if I'm going on too no, long. No, you're not. You know, you're not. It's fascinating. I have written a book, Authority Over the Nations, God and Politics, Ooh. which, um, Actually, actually, it starts off with some of my personal experience, which is what I'm talking about now. Yeah. So, um, which is quite interesting. Anyway, I, I worked very hard on the on the council. I led our Save Our Sixth Forms campaign, which was successful, and I was actually involved in planning permission for Meadow Hall, which is there today, which um, which was quite interesting. I was the shadow chairman of planning, involved in a lot of planning issues, and I learned an awful lot while being a while being a councillor. I also stood, by the way, in the 1983 general election for the Conservative Party when I was just 27. So that was my first experience of standing for Parliament. Um, so I came off the council in 1988 after six years. I planned to do it for six years anyway, because I knew the seat I was elected in, I was coming up again in two years' time in 1984, and I knew I had to stand in that election and for another four years i couldn't just be do it for two years so but i knew i had to do it for a minimum of six years when it came towards the end of the six years uh, by that time i was married with two young children um a third came not long after and um uh, at that age, the children were literally three and one. So uh, I wanted to spend time in my family. And um, I felt God saying very clearly that I should leave the council. So I, I left the council. Um, I continued to be involved with my trade union. I was actually on the executive of my trade union. Um, and um, I stood again for Parliament in 1992, also in Sheffield. Um, in I didn't stand in 1987. I was a campaign manager in 87. But I did get um, awarded the um, honour of being a member of the British Empire in the New Year's Honours List 1989, which is quite interesting now because... <laughs> because yeah, keep that quality that, yourself, that one, <laughs> nowadays. Well, that's right. Well, I, that's a, well, that was the time when I got to meet the Queen. Ah. So, um, so I went to Buckingham Palace and the Queen gave me an MBE. And um, she said to me, what's your line? She said to me when I got the MBA and <laughs> I told her I was involved with the Conservative Party and, the, uh, and also with my trade union. Anyway, um, I would have said something very differently if it happened later, I guess, if it happened now. But that's what I was. That's what I said at that time. But it was quite interesting because I was only 32, nearly 33 when I got it. And... Um, it was like, you know, I felt I'd achieved something and whatever happens now for the rest of my life, you know, I've actually achieved something, which is great. Anyway, um, it's just to move things forward. What then happened was that there was a massive rumpus in the Prudential around mm -hmm. 1996, which meant that I left the company and I actually assisted some of my colleagues in uh, industrial tribunals and I set up as an independent financial advisor. I worked with another colleague who I knew for a year and then I set up my own company in 1997. So I couldn't stand in the 1997 general election because I was just in the process of setting up a new company. So 
That's what was happening at that time. And I was basically an independent financial advisor until I took early retirement at 55, which was in 2011. So you know how old I am now. So that was, um, so I was an independent financial advisor from 1996 to 2011. Um, So, which, which I enjoyed doing. Again, I was able to do that job and earn a good living without working long hours, which basically is what I've done all my life. So all my life I've um, been either working for the potential or being an independent financial advisor, making a decent living, but not working long hours, work, spending a lot of time working on politics uh, alongside. So the next story that's important is um, we get to 2003, early 2004, and it would have been in 2003. So 2003, I've, um, I've now very keen to stand in the 2005 general election. So I go to a selection meeting to be on the national candidates list. I've been on the national candidates list before, but after every election, they wipe it clean and start again. So you have to, you have to start again. So by this time, I was very um, experienced when it comes to politics. I knew the ropes. So the selection process was pretty straightforward um, for me. But when it came, the final part of the selection process was that you have an individual interview with an MP. And this MP said to me, uh, what change would you most like to see in the country? Now, I should explain that by this point in my life, I've been to Toronto, been to Revival. I've been through a lot of pain and difficulty. I went through a very difficult divorce in 2000, which... um, was extremely hard and in the middle of that pain I went got on a plane and I went to the revival in Toronto and I just met God so powerfully and I just felt in Toronto as though God was standing next to me and it was like you know um I'd totally forgiven for everything I'd done that was wrong and I just felt completely loved by God and accepted by God and I came away from Toronto saying I don't care what it is I'll do whatever you want God and I said, you've got to make your way will clear to me. You know, I don't want to get on a plane and go off somewhere and find I've made a mistake. But if I know it's your will, I'll do it. You know, you just make your will clear to me. So that was my framework with which I went to this selection meeting. So um, I should also say, by the way, that before the selection meeting, I stood outside the hotel where it was held. And I prayed, God, if your presence isn't going to go with me, I don't want to go up from here. If if this is not your will for my life, I do not want to be successful. No. So it's like, you know, I, I said, I'm not going to go in there and start, you know, not mention my Christian faith or anything just in order to get selected. So the MP asked me this question, what change would you most like to see in the nation? And I said, revival. And he said, what's that? And I said, well, you know, a lot of people become Christians, incredible miracles take place. And he looked at me as if to say, and you think I'm going to approve you as a conservative MP? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And I realised instantly that I failed the selection process. I should also say at that time in the history of the Conservative Party, they just ditched Ian Duncan Smith, who was the last Christian leader. And Michael Howard had come in and he basically said, um, people use, choose to leave their lives differently these days and we've got to adapt our policies accordingly. And I knew what that meant. That meant out with Christian family values and in with liberal social values. And I actually said if I'd gone to that selection meeting with a dress on and said I was a transvestite, I'd have been accepted immediately. Because Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I've had the similar thing happen to me, Clive. Um, Sid, if that was, if, if I had, that's exactly, yeah, I get it. Carry on, sorry. It doesn't matter. Well, just to, just to finish that bit off. So I failed that, but um, afterwards uh, I went to a meeting where um, there was a lady there who I knew from a, political prayer group and I and I was speaking to her and I said you know I'm, I've been rejected as a conservative candidate for the next election but I really wanted to stand you know because I've not stood in the last two for various reasons and I'm very keen to stand in this general election and do you know what she said to me Go on. why don't you stand for the Christian People's Alliance so I said well I've never heard of them but I'll go away and pray about it now You've got to understand that all my life, what I really was, was a Christian in politics. I was never a conservative first. I was always a Christian first. And my vision, for obviously, when I was a student, was just having a Christian political party. And all of a sudden, this lady is saying to me, why don't you join a Christian political party? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know one existed. So... Yeah. I went away and prayed about it, and I felt God saying, yes, this is my will. And um, so I came back and said, yeah, I'm up for it. I'll join. So I became a candidate for the Christian People's Alliance in the 2005 general election. I stood in Sheffield, Hallam, which is the same area where I'd been a councillor, and uh, worked like crazy. I, I worked ridiculously hard. I mean, I spent something like £8,000 on that campaign and put out a newspaper as well as three leaflets, <coughs> mostly myself. I mean, mostly me running around and putting leaflets through doors um, and a newspaper through doors. And um, I got about 460 votes, which was very disappointing for me at that time because I was thinking, oh... You know, I was hopeful that I was going to do really well. Um, but I also became clear to me that uh, I couldn't just stay in Sheffield. Uh, I had to get down to London because that's where the heart of the Christian People's Alliance was. And if I just stayed in Sheffield, I would just be out on a limb. So I started to, and also Alan Craig, who was the then leader of the Christian People's Alliance, said to me, why don't you come down to London and work with me? He, he was a councillor in, in East London, in, in Newham, and he could see all the enthusiasm plus all the political experience that I got, and he thought I could use a bit of that. So what I then started to do was to um, go down to London at weekends, and this is a very interesting phase in my life because um, what I was then doing was literally Friday, about round about lunchtime, I would um, stop doing my financial advice work, um, usually walk down to the station, which was about half an hour's walk, but, you know, that was me. 
and um, go and get a train to London. And I'd arrive in London sometime in the afternoon. Sometimes I would do a bit of door knocking on Friday evening or go to meetings, stay stay with somebody. I, sometimes I stayed with Alan Craig. Sometimes I stayed with other people in London that put me up. And um, Saturday, I would just go and knock on doors all day. And Sunday, I would go to church in London. Um, we had a meeting Monday morning, which was basically a meeting of the of the of the Christian People's Alliance councillors in in London. And then after that meeting, I then get a train back to Sheffield. By about four o'clock Monday, I'd be sat at my desk back in Sheffield doing financial advice again. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was tough, but I adapted to it. Yeah. It's funny people say to me, oh, you're looking forward to the weekend. I'm like, weekend? What's that? Yeah. I get that. that. So you really really have been in the belly of the beast getting involved in politics. Who was uh, the current prime minister when you were... When you were involved in politics, Sid? Well, most of the time it was Margaret Thatcher. It was Margaret Thatcher that gave me the MBE. And um, I, I did I did meet him. In fact, the story there is that Margaret Thatcher came to Sheffield to a meeting in Cutler's Hall, which is one of the main halls in the centre of Sheffield. And um, outside were 3,000 steelworkers yelling and shouting at her yeah. and throwing things at her. And she said, any Conservatives in, in this city deserve a medal. And uh, I mean, she was disgusted. I mean, she did. She did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing. So what were you going to uh, say? No, 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 no. Well, the Leon Britton, the Harvey Proctors, uh, oh, the okay. Smiths, you know, all under her government. Um, you know, I'm not even going to go down the road of what how vile and despicable Ted Heath was. Um, but yeah. um, we dealt a lot with everything that was going on, especially with Elm Guesthouse up there in Barnes, South, South London. Um, so, so now you, you've moved out. What, what are you up to now then? What, 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 okay, what, so, what main focus? Okay, so, yeah, okay. So j- j- just to bring things up to date. So um, after I joined the Christian People's Alliance, I went down to London, started campaigning in London. So then um, I bought a house in London so that I could easily stay down there. As I say, I stopped financial advice work in 2011. And in 2012, I became the leader of the Christian People's Alliance and basically based myself in London permanently. Um, So I've I've now been the leader of the Christian People's Alliance for almost 10 years, which is what I am now. I thought it would be easy and straightforward. I thought in the, the, the first thing I faced was in 2014 was the... Uh, European elections and I thought right European elections will have candidates in every region we'll put a leaflet for every door in the country Uh, I spoke to a printer we could get yeah the printer could handle it 250,000 pounds Um, the leaflets I wanted will go out and they take them to the Royal Mail sorting office and they will put we get a leaflet put through every door in the country we then needed the deposits, which were 5,000 per region. So there's 11 regions, I believe, so that's 55. So we're looking at 300,000. So I thought, right, OK, all we're going to do now is raise 300,000. We can have candidates in every region. We can have leaflets to every door in the country. We'll announce the Christian People's Alliance has arrived. 
that yeah. was my vision. Right. Unfortunately, we only raised about we raised about fifteen thousand. Right. So, so it was a bit harder than I expected. So, <laughs> so how if you know um, have you got have you got many um, candidates around the country at the moment? Well. Yes, we've got we've got some people now. We've, we're putting in place for the two thousand and twenty four election. The last executive, um, we've we've actually appointed twelve candidates to stand in the two thousand and twenty four election. But w- what we had in was we had seventeen candidates in two thousand and fifteen. We had thirty one in two thousand and seventeen, and then thirty in two thousand and nineteen. So um, we hope. But I mean, the wish is that we'll have at least 100 yeah. in the next general election. If we have 100, we can have a party political broadcast and that will help us get onto the map. So but it's it, it's everything has moved far more slowly than I'd hoped, as you can gather from what I said earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it is we are moving forward. We're moving forward as a party, but it feels as though it's we're only moving forward at a snail's pace. But I'm also. One thing I'm very keen, though, is that we build so that we don't have a bubble. Sometimes you can create a bubble which then bursts and then you're completely back at square one, which happens with a lot of small parties. They just throw everything into one election, which is happening to the Christian People's Alliance, really, before I joined, because they threw everything into, into one election which might be a London mayor election or might be a, a European election, whatever, and they don't do as well as I'd hoped, but all the money's gone into that campaign. They haven't got any money left. They haven't got any plans for the next election. So the whole party is completely back at square one. And, you know, you can't afford to do that. No. Everyone that's joined, I've said, right, we've got to, we're in this for the long term. We've got to build. Actually, on that theme, you know, it's quite interesting, you know, because I've studied Alice Bailey, which you find <laughs> My book, if you read about, who is the author of New Age. Yeah. And she was writing books and in the 1920s, you know, and, you know, over 100 years ago. She wrote 29 books. Mm-hmm. And she's putting forward her program, which is get the children, get them young, under 10, you know, destroy the parental authority over children, destroy all the Judeo-Christian values, you know, make homosexuality an alternative lifestyle, corrupt the churches. You know, she served Satan. She didn't beat around the bush. But she had a programme that actually came to fruition. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 50 to 100 years after she died. (laughs) Sometimes you think we as Christians think short-term too much. You know, we, we need you need to have a vision where you can say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to take Britain for God, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're going to have a, a, a huge revival. I mean, I was baptised in a bath up in Northwood. Yeah. Um, I was baptised in a bath. I was very, very much, <coughs> excuse me, I... Um, I was very much love and light, off to do kundalini yoga, lots of meditation, uh, using plant medicines, um, going on to journeys to my soul, um, which don't get get me wrong. It was all part of, and it all got me here. I can remember 
when before I'd woken up to geopolitical, <coughs> what's going on geopolitically, um, I can remember my 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 sister-in-law, best friend, sister-in-law. She said she'd she'd woke she'd woke me up geopolitically um, back in two thousand and eight, and then in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, <coughs> she becomes a born again Christian, and I'm like I, I was. Just laughing at her. No, you're a Bible basher. The Bible's only a tool to control people. You know, I was grow. I grew up. At a, I went to a private school run by nuns, um, and at the time, the Bible was just the thou. It was just words on a page. It meant absolutely, absolutely nothing to to me at all. Um, and then, you know, I used to laugh at her, and I'm like, no, no, you want to get the universe, thank the universe, and uh, drink plant medicines and go on mad hallucinogenic trips, and you'll find your soul. You know, no, no, you won't actually. You just open yourself up to demons but that's another story um and but it all and she said one day you're one day the, if you're on the path of truth it only leads one way and that's always stood with me and I've always like ah, nah, shut up shut up shut up no it's not and the more I was working I was working at the UK column at the time we were dealing with a lot to do with satanic ritual abuse um, the minute you start talking satanic ritual abuse, you get trolled, you get attacked, left, right and centre. Um, videos, and I'm, you know, I'm a single mum now with a, with, 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 at the time the children were young. And um, I was over the target. And then the more I just started learning about the Bible. I started listening to the audio Bible. I was following a guy at the time called Chuck Meisler. Mm. And I was listening to, he had a, a Bible program called Learn the Bible in 24 Hours, where it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that, but he was just going through to each, went through the whole Bible within 24 hours, just giving a synopsis. And then he's, he then had Bible studies on each book of the Bible. And he mm. used to do each book of the Bible in 24 hours. So you had Genesis over 24 hours. Mm. Uh, and, I and I started reading the Bible and I'm like, it's, it all just started clicking in. It all just started make sense. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been wrong all the time about this. And um, I kept looking for guidance and uh, our mutual friend, she apparently, she turned around to her husband and she said, I think we're going to be baptizing Lou. And I didn't know this. I knew nothing of this, but I called her up and asked her to baptize me. And she said, I only said that to my partner not long, you know, about two months ago. Come on. So, so, so when was this? That was April of last year, 2021. Wow. So I'm a baby, but I know a lot, you know, I'm I'm obsessed, you know, that's I'm just hungry for the word of God. And Come I on. absolutely adore prophecies and the I, I I just get so involved in so, the old testament and the scriptures. Um, I love the book of Isaiah. I love the book of Daniel. You know, there's we are going through so many prophecies. Old prophetic words are occurring right now. Why we why we sit here, and um, it, I know it's the right way. I feel it. I feel it. And I interview. I'm the most. Everybody knows that I'm the most. I can never make up my mind. Change. Oh, what am I doing this? Do I do that? What am I doing? I knew I was going to interview General Flynn. I don't know what it was. I think God told me to get in touch with God. General Flynn. I don't know, Sid. I don't know what happened, but I wrote to General Flynn. I found his email myself. I went through 
company information and stuff. I just didn't fill in a contact form. And I found an email for General Flynn, and it was on one of these company things. It's just giving it company information. Anyway, I wrote. I wrote to him, and I said, I, I said, I'm born again Christian, and, you know, I, I want to do it. We're in the UK, blah, blah, blah. Never for one second did I ever think he would reply. 48 hours later, my dearest Lou, thank you so much for your lovely message. My sons, please, gave me the address, told me what to say. So did that. Anyway, didn't hear anything. Got an email back saying, can you tell us a bit about yourself, you know, your website, etc." So I sent all of that off, I, you know, and I made it quite clear that, you know, we're not like Alex Jones. We haven't got 10 million followers, but what we do have is some really awake, you know, very, very awake followers who are loyal and that they've always been there. Yeah. And uh, that was it. I sent that off. Anyway, three weeks went past. And I got, don't know what it was. I sat up in bed one morning, grabbed my laptop, and I was told in my sleep, nudge, nudge, General Flynn. So I just, I typed him an email. I said, I'm so very sorry. I don't want to hound you. I know how busy you are, but God's told me that I was to nudge you. So I don't expect you reply, but I'm just doing what God's told me to do. Left it. 20 minutes later, in comes an email and with a load of dates, what would I like? But then General Flynn only interviews people for half an hour and I've watched him on other shows dead on that 30 minute mark or just coming up to it. Right. Okay. And they close it. He stayed with us for an hour and five minutes. Wow. And he was fabulous. And that, that was that was done. That God did that. I know that. And I also know that I will go to Mar-a-Lago one day and I'll interview Trump. Oh, don't know how that's gonna happen. Don't know. Well, when you when you when you go there, can I come with you? Yeah, of course you can. I've got a parking <laughs> taking now. I have my entourage with me. <laughs> I know that, but People say, like, how was that even put? How could that even happen? But anything, anything's possible. When you God in the God in the equation. And what I am seeing now, Sid, is the deep state, it seems, are going down. They're being exposed for what they are. And uh, Satan's lost this one. And I believe we're living in a time and the times, you know, prophecies and um you know, uh, scriptures in the Bible, they do repeat themselves, Yes. you know, and I do believe we are going at this current exact moment in time. I think God's making his move. And I think he's, he's giving his people, he's had enough of what these people have done by abusing our children, taxation us, what they've done to his, his beautiful earth. Yeah. And to his people is despicable. And I do believe God's making his move. People are saying I'm mad and I'm nuts, but I don't I don't believe that. We are living in the most biblical times right oh, now. Totally. I think I think we're living in the times where Jesus said, when you see these things take place, look up because your redemption is near. I think that's where we are. I do, I do, but I think he's gonna come back, he's gonna save his people, and these people are gonna go down. Mm. I do believe that. He's God's making his move and he will not stand it. Because there's no, you know, we, I, I, I don't, do you think we're in revelation time yet? Because I, don't, I can't see it. I think we're living in the time of the great exodus. Oh, well, I don't know. I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not. Uh, it's all in his hands, isn't it? He decides when it's going to be. We're never going to read it. I don't take close watch on what it says in revelation, although I've read it all. Um, yeah. But 
Well, I'll tell you one thing I do think, though, is that sometimes if you look back at history, you see in the Bible often things happen and people don't even realise the significance of what's just happened. So, so sometimes, you know, it could be that things have happened even now, even this war that's going on in Ukraine could be part of something that's prophesied in the Scriptures. And at the moment, we haven't actually seen what it is and the significance of it. It's only maybe in 10 years' time that we'll see the significance of what happened and how that was all part of God's plan and what God was leading up to the end times, you know. But, you know, it's, it's amazing when you look at the disciples when they were with Jesus, you know, the way that it's, you know, Jesus said something to them and it's like, oh, they didn't understand. They didn't understand what he was saying. Now, we understand because we can look at it all in retrospect. Yeah. They were living at the time. And at the time, the things that they couldn't see, you know, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You know, are you going to become the king now then? And it's like. Yes, yes. No, you haven't got it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Gonna are you going to build the? Are you going to build it back in three days? Huh? That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, and it's like, you know, they hadn't quite got it. They hadn't fully, fully understood what was going on. And I think it can be the same with us. You know, because we're actually living in the time. Yeah. You can't sometimes see the significance of everything that's happening. But anyway. Exactly. So I just want to touch on satanic ritual abuse. Yeah, go on. So and the power Satan has over this world. Now people scoff at it. Uh, they say it's not real. They're just a bunch of sickos. Um, people don't like talking about the subject. Um, we have heard many, many stories. John Wedger is one of the people who've gone round and spoken to um, survivors of satanic ritual abuse. Um, so let's, let's ask you to consider, is satanic ritual abuse a thing? Oh, yeah, of course it is. But, I mean, what I'm more, a little bit more familiar with is Freemasonry, which, okay. believe it or not, the first three levels of Freemasonry are the same as the first three levels of witchcraft. Right. Um, and, um, you see, they go up, as they go up these levels, now they have their initiation ceremonies in Freemasonry. Um, by the way... Uh, what the at the bottom of Freemasonry, they tell you, oh, we just respect all religions. We know we respect Christians. We've got lots of Christians who are Freemasons. It's only when you get to the top of Freemasonry, you find out that the unseen force behind the universe, who they honour, is actually um, is actually Satan. So Freemasons are actually worshiping Satan, and as one of their initiation ceremonies. Um, they not only make you go into a coffin and slam the lid over you, they also engage in homosexual acts as well and uh, uh, abuse you, uh, abuse the people. So this is, this is part of these satanic rituals which you're talking about, which actually take place in Freemasonry. And I know they take place in Freemasonry. And, you know, the whole purpose of Freemasonry is power. You know, you become a Freemason to have influence over the movers and shakers in your area in your city or whatever and um it is abs I, I know it's there because i've come across it in the conservative party and it's in its it's it's rife in the conservative party i'm afraid uh, as well as being rife in other areas of society um in the judiciary and in the police force and goodness knows what and um it is is absolutely it, it's it's worshiping satan with 
uh, with um, an aura of respectability around it, you know, and yeah, this is this is all part of of I'm afraid Satan's plan to undermine what God is doing. But of course, the, the the good news is that we're on the winning side. You know, Satan doesn't win in the end. No, no, and they don't. There are so you know we're living in an age where we're having disclosure coming through um, about other planets and visitors and alien life and everything else. Then we're also talking about um, entities, ghosts, people talking to the other side, um, and you got you know you've got entities there, possessions. Now, when you when you how would how does one handle that when you've got very much new age not even not even the new age just people who don't you know they, they they were born into the church church of england but they've got far much other things to go on you know a bit like a bit my set a bit like myself and, and and many others i'm sure got enough going on there around and you know you know you know don't really believe in the bible don't really believe in revelation and we'll have you but you know we were brought up that way so we'll go along it but then they're talking about aliens they're talking about that they've seen ghosts talk to us about this how 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 would one approach people if they come across with a family member who's talking about aliens other planets and ghosts and hauntings okay well yeah (laughs) One of the key things for me, it's one of the key things in the Christian People's Alliance, actually, is that Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So the key thing in all these things is also says in James chapter 1, verse 5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God. So the key thing really is to say, God, what are you saying? What are you saying in a situation? And also, if you're actually dealing with somebody, what do you want me to say? Now, God can tell you, Lots of different things in different situations. Sometimes God might say, walk away. Uh, that's happened once in, I was in a situation, I won't go into the details, but uh, I literally prayed at the situation, said, God, what do you want me to do? And God said, walk away. Wow. Um, another time God might say, right, I want you to speak my word <coughs> and tell them, that I have died on the cross for them, for their sins, and I want you to share the gospel with them. And it's like, okay, God. And But you see, the thing is, it's important, you know, that it, it's, it's the word in season. It's important that you speak whatever God wants you to speak into that situation at that time. Now, the most important thing to understand and appreciate is that we have authority over this stuff. So we don't, we don't, have, to, we don't have to live in fear. Um, it once says somewhere in the scriptures that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Yeah. And, and it says in Mark, you know, you'll tread on, on serpents and scorpions. And, um, and Jesus said to Peter, you know, whatever you bind on earth, we bound on heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we have authority over these things, as well as um, my, one of my favorite passages in Revelation 2, where it says, I give you authority over the nations. But, you know, there has to be, yeah, you know, you have to, you can't live in sin and have authority, but provided that we are surrendered to God and we're living the life that God wants us to live, then we can claim authority. And we can claim authority in any and every situation. But if you're actually dealing with somebody on a one-to-one basis who is into witchcraft, 
then the thing to do there is pray like crazy and then just say, God, what do you want me to say? And then just only speak what God gives you. Fabulous. Fabulous. So where can you see humanity going right now, Sid? Where, where is this going to Because we are living in the most unbelievable times as we speak. Um, we've got things going off in China, Taiwan. We've got the whole Russian Ukraine. I mean, hmm. that's a show for another. That's that's a, a, a talk for another day. Um, you know, we've got things going on here in the UK. Uh, the death of the Queen. There was no run up that she might die. She only met Liz Trust a couple of days before, and Liz Trust said what a perfect health she was in. Um, she's died, but never. We don't know to, to, to how she died and what what was the reason she died. Um, we've got Charles. I mean, oh god, the whole the whole thing at the moment geopolitically is absolutely crazy. So what? How is the Christian Church dealing with the current climate? Well, um, <laughs> well, you know, when you say the Christian Church, we're not talking, I'm afraid, about the church. Not the church, no, but you, you know, but, like yourself. But God's, God's people. Yeah. You see, as I said earlier, I think the key thing is, you know, what Jesus said, when you see these things take place, and he was talking about you'll see wars, rumors of wars, there's going to be famine, there's going to be earthquakes, all these things are going to take place. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, all these things. And he said, when you see these things take place, look up. Now, I think that's the important thing, that we don't, we're not worried because, you know, God is in charge and God has got in charge of his people. And I believe God's plan is that there's going to be a massive worldwide revival before the end. And I also believe that Satan wants to bring about the end before the revival happens. So, um, but you can see all the seeds there for the, for, for the worldwide revival. You can see it because, the church is being purified. The true church of God is being purified. You know, people are far more on their knees. I mean, just to give an example, I mean, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but, I mean, just this week, Monday, we um, were asked to speak at a conference in Pakistan, which um, we did on Zoom. So we spoke at this conference in Pakistan, and we just appeared on the, on the Zoom screen. They wanted the subject, they wanted us to speak for three sessions for 35 minutes each and then a session for 15 minutes afterwards. So um, I did the first session. They, they also wanted us to speak on the book of Acts. So I did the first session, which I looked about the history. But anyway, I, I won't bore you with all the details, but just to say that um, by the time we finished, we were calling the fire down from heaven on this congregation. And they the cat, all the meeting, we'd just seen the leader who was interpreting what we were saying. But then the camera did a span of the congregation, and there were far more people there than I expected. I mean, there must have been two or 300 people uh, present, and they were all on their faces on the floor. And it was just like, wow. You're looking at – and w w we just stopped speaking. I mean, the church leader just took over. And, you know, the spirit of God was on him powerfully. And the congregation were just responding powerfully to the word of the Lord, to the spirit of God that was being poured out in that place. And I, I, I've seen this sort of thing all over, all over. You see people just absolutely, you know, even this, we have our CPA prayer on Monday. 
and from seven to eight. Um, for the first time this Monday, when we had our CPA prayer, um, we couldn't stop at eight. I mean, people just wanted to carry on, just keep praying. You know, the Spirit of God was there so powerfully. And I've seen this time and time again. You know, the Spirit of God is just touching people and moving. And this isn't, I mean, I was brought up in a very fairly stayed Baptist church where we sing a hymn and then you sit down for, for a prayer and then you sing a hymn and you sit down for a reading and you sing a hymn and you yeah. have a sermon and then you sing another hymn and, you know, and it's called a hymn sandwich, I believe. <laughs> and well, I'll tell you, Lou, that was on a Sunday. Yeah. For a period of time on Tuesdays, we they had a revival prayer meeting. And there were only three or four of us there, but the three or four of us included my father and me. And the pastor used to read stories of what happened in the Korean revival and what happened in the Welsh revival. And, you know, it's like this, the tongues of fire were seen coming out of this church and they called the fire brigade and the fire brigade arrived and because they put hose on the church, but it made not the slightest bit of difference. You know, the fire just carried on just the same. Wow. <laughs> and of course, a goose pimply now. You know, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, and I remember, I remember saying to my dad, "Dad, this is what we want. This is what we want, Dad. Why can't we have this? This is what we need." And. Today, we're in a place where we're beginning to see this in the church. You know, we don't just go to church and have a boring sermon and just read, have a few Bible readings and, you know, and go home and, you know, you know, God turns up and God is touching people. We see healings in the wow. church. Yeah. And, you know, and, and this is a sign of God pouring his spirit out and it's happening. It's happening all over the world, all it over is. the world. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? Um, I don't know how it is, but when I was at school, um, we always um, said the Lord's Prayer every morning before we started school. Yeah. Um, and that this was a primary school and it was just, it was a little private, private, yeah. private school it was, but we always said our prayers every morning. Uh, teachers would walk into the room, you'd automatically stand up. Uh, no, it's gone. When did when did all that go? Because I, I said to my daughter, I mean, she's twenty one now, uh, but I said to her a couple of years ago, you know, when she was like in sixth, I said, do they still, do kids still stand up when a teacher walks in the house? Do they say, do they do they do they say the Lord's Prayer of the morning? Uh, no, no, none of it, none of it. It's it, it's it's nowhere. It's nowhere. They're, they're interested. I mean, there they are. They're, they're, they're talking to three-year-olds about sex and masturbation, yeah. um, but they're not. They they don't. They don't even stand up. I said, "What about standing up with a teacher or, or somebody comes into the room? Does anyone stand up? No. Where where's it all gone, Sid? Where are our values? Because this country, you know, regardless of what faith people are from, this country is based on Christian values." Yeah, well, I'm afraid that... When did it go? When did it all vanish? Well, I think the answer to your question is in the time of Tony Blair, because, yes. you see, actually, New Labour was New Age. We started on Tony Blair. Oh! And, and Tony Blair wanted to take this nation away from being a Christian country and making it into uh, a, a, a liberal social country, you know, a, a different sort of country. 
Tony Blair was doing his best to undermine the Queen. And it's quite interesting. I just read this week that um, the Queen was asked, who is your least favourite Prime Minister? And she said, Tony Blair. Evil man. Evil, evil, evil man. Tony Blair. Do you think we are going to... Well, anything's possible, I know. Uh, but are you seeing in your, you know, you're, you're more equipped? Because I don't, I don't actually have the church. I, I say my prayers every night. I pray on it. I speak to to our mutual friend all the time, and, and we say prayers. And I've got other friends, uh, but I wouldn't know where to start. Like Methodists, well, we can- <laughs> like what? What? I don't know. I don't know. But there's nowhere I know. And we've got like our little church down the road, which is, you know, just the community church, which is only there on the Sundays now. I don't even know if they do that because I don't, I don't know. Um, but there's no church because I would like to know more about I'm hungry for it. Hungry, oh, bless you. I'm hungry well, you for can... study and everything else. And where do you know, there's nowhere in well, can... that I can find. Well, we, we do, if you want to, you'd be very welcome, but we do something every Wednesday. It's actually tonight at nine o'clock. So what we do is 15 minutes worship, then we have half an hour's Bible study, and tonight it's going to be on Nehemiah, and then we have about an hour of prophetic ministry. So we literally prophesy over everybody on the platform and then prophesy over the whole group as well. How do people join that, Sid? Because that sounds just fantastic. That's, that's all on Zoom. We, we can give yeah, you Yeah, no, but I mean, how do, how do people go in like listeners to this show? They want to know more about you and what you do. How can people okay. find out? Um well, it's probably best. Well, the email, the easiest email to get is, is info at cpaparty.net. And if anyone wants to send an email to info at cpaparty.net, then they can find, just ask any question you want and we'll answer it. I read all the emails that come in within 24 hours. And um, the website. The website is www.cpaparty.net. Now, I should just have a warning there because um, we had a previous website, which was slightly different, which still comes up on Google, which has been hacked into and taken over and has got all sorts of terrible stuff on it. Oh, dear. And sometimes if you... that happens, I notice a lot of the um, mm. a lot of the prophet, the, the, you know, people who talk to prophetic word, especially on YouTube, they actually have to close their comments down. Um, because of the disgusting things that that people post, which is tragic. So the website is .net. It's cpaparty.net. But just watch to make sure you're on the right site, because if you're on the wrong site, I've had people contact me and say, oh, yeah, I've I've read on your website you do tarot card readings. Is this right? I think, oh. Oh. (laughs) It's just like, no, that's been hacked into. It's uh, That's what I'd like to ask. So people who... You know, I used to have tarot cards. I have actually got rid of them. But I've also got I've got a lot of crystals that weren't used for anything as healing. They're just very, very pretty. Should I be getting them out of my house? I, you know, because I'm not well, giving the energy. I'm not giving well, those crystals any kind okay. of energy. But the, the, the key thing, Lou, as I said earlier, is just to say, God, whatever you want, I'll do. If you want me to get rid of these crystals, I'll get rid of them. You know, just please yeah. show me. And... As long as you're willing to get rid of them, if God wants you to get rid of them, that's all that matters. Yeah. You know, it's like, so if he says, yeah, get rid of them, you say, okay, God, they'll be in the bin tomorrow. They'll be in the bin immediately. Um, but if um, 
if God says, no, it's no problem, you know, they have no power over you, then, you know, don't let people judge you or criticise you or say you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. As long I know, as- I know. I was like, I can think about doing things wrong and, like, people do, you know, unfortunately, they're from all walks of life. People do criticise. I know you shouldn't be doing it like that. You should be doing it like this. And there's a lot of Christians like that as well. Yeah. Um, so the answer to that is God is my judge. The answer to that is God is my judge. It's, it's, it's his opinion I'm concerned about, not anybody else's. Fantastic. Sid, I would really love to do this again with you. Oh, bless you. If that's okay, if we can do we, if we can do another show, maybe in, in a few weeks' time, yes, after, let's get all the nonsense going on, because there's so much nonsense going on in the world, it's ridiculous right now. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, next time you won't have to spend ages asking me for my background, because you're already... Yeah, exactly. We can get straight in it. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you heard the Lord's voice? Have you... Oh, yes. Have you, ever been, has, have you been prophesied... Um, you know, have, have you? Has he given you a prophetic word ever? Oh yes. Really? I mean, one of the most powerful prophetic words was, as I as I mentioned, when I went to Toronto. And I now I should just tell you what I went to Toronto. If we got a, a couple minutes, yeah, yeah, we? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I should tell you when I went to Toronto, I was full of pain, and I actually met some people there from Florida, and they said to me. When we first met Sid, he seemed so sad, but his face just lit up more and more as the week went on. And um, it, it, it was it was amazing. But at the end of it, so I was literally there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday with three meetings, three meetings a day. And then by the Sunday morning, I was back in there. And um, what they did was they actually gave us a piece of paper. You had to write your name on and then fold it over and it was then given to somebody else. And you had to pray and write on this piece of paper a prophetic word for this person, not knowing who they were. And, and then you got it back. So I got it back, and it's, this says on it, I love you, my precious child. You mean a lot to me. Um, and it was, um, wow. uh, I, I will make my way clear to you, and, and it's, it's stay in me, do not despair. Something like that. There was, there was some other wow. stuff. Well, that was basically it. It was like, okay. Oh, it's oh, it's also said, I will prosper you abundantly, it said. It said, I will prosper you abundantly. Oh, anyway, that's I, good. I received this, and it's like, if you've got anything from the Lord, come and share it. And I went forward, and and it's like, I was just in tears. I, I couldn't even speak at the front because it was just like, this was just what God's word to me. And I actually had it in writing, which was so wonderful because I almost lived by it. Because yeah. And at that time, I was in the Conservative Party, you see, and it's like it's like God said, I will make my way clear to you. So God made his way clear in taking me out of the Conservative Party and bringing me into the Christian People's Alliance. And it was just like that was so clearly a prophetic word. And, you know, I, I'm still want God has prospered me, but um, I still want more prosperity. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, it gives us what we need when we need it. I do yeah. think, hmm. but I think these next few weeks are going to be very, very interesting, especially the run up towards uh, the holiday season. I think it's yeah. going to very, very much um, geopolitically. It's uh, it's going to be uh, kicking eyes. Hmm. What are your thoughts on Liz Trust? I see she's part of the World Economic Forum. Well, honestly, I don't know, but. Um... 
you know, I, I like what she's done on energy. I actually believe she's done the right thing because I said all along that we've got to have a focus on capital investment. And if we have capital investment in energy, that will bring down the price in the long term. And we can't just focus on one winter and then forget about it. So well, I've been told that I'm not allowed to have a fire in my home. I've got a lovely, great big chimney that's blocked up. And they said it's because of the environment. I just... Yeah. Well, God's man's basic, you know, it's been there since the dawn of time, man and fire. And it's one of our, it's a natural law. We are, we're entitled to have water and heat and uh, the cost of energy and everything. How much, how much, how much energy can that save with people just having, burning their log fires and their coal? You can get smokeless fuel. I don't know, smokeless coal. You can get smokeless fuel. No, they're not having any of it, so we'll see. I'm going to carry on battling, but <laughs> not at a time, I think, at the moment. So, Sid, people can get in touch with you from the cpaparty.net. Check what you're looking at. If you want to email Sid with any questions, info at cpaparty.net. And I'm delighted that he will be coming back with us again. And... Uh, and talking some more. Uh, uh, just finally, one thing I do want to say is that... You can say a prayer as well when we finish. Okay. But, but I, I used to go down to Speaker's Corner for 10 years, and I'm very good at answering questions. So the Bible, we can prove the Bible is an accurate history book, and we can also answer every question that anybody wants to ask about what the what is said in the Bible can be answered. So if you've got a question you haven't got an answer to, you can by all means send it to me and I will give you the answer. Fabulous. Thank you. That's a bit fatal you saying that. You're going to have about six emails from me. Every I, day. <laughs> I don't mind at all. It's not a problem. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Maybe you could uh, say a prayer to close the show out, please, Sid. My God, we just thank you for this discussion today, Garden, we just thank you that you are Lord of our lives and that you are in charge of this world and you're in charge of the universe and you know everything that's going to happen. So, God, today we just gladly release ourselves into your hands and we just declare, God, we are your servants. We're here to please you. We're here to honour you. We're here to glorify you. We're here to do your will. So, God, we invite you to use us. Use us, God, for your kingdom. Use us as you want to use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, Sid, we will definitely do this again. So, in the meantime... Sid Corden, thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. We're not afraid. Terrors all night. There was a fly by day. Ten thousand may fall, but we, we will remain.
Yeah, man.